Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful sunny day. Looking out the window of my studio in Fort Collins, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be outdoors today, but in a different aspect. I'm going to watch my uh, my granddaughter play softball. She's a pretty good softball player, Caitlin is, and we're going to go watch her play today. Um, but there's lots of reasons to be outdoors. Uh, it was beautiful yesterday, beautiful today. The fishing's been good. You know, a lot of hunting going on, but the weather's going to change tomorrow. And it looks like for quite a few days next week, we're going to have some rain, low skies. We're going to have some potentially even snow showers and certainly colder temperatures. And uh, it's going to change the fishing and the hunting. And we're going to talk to you a lot about that today. You can take advantage of this weather change to help you be a lot more successful. Along those lines, let's go to the phones. And joining us from Brad Peterson Outdoors is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, I, you're the waterfall expert. I've hunted waterfall, but not enough to claim any expertise in it. And you and I talked earlier in the week, and you really think this changing weather is going to have a huge effect on the waterfall, don't you? Oh, I absolutely do. You know, looking at the, the weather up north, particularly, you know, Montana and Canada, they're getting down into the teens, you know, starting later tonight and tomorrow. And so they're going to start freezing stuff up. And I think it's going to really push some ducks and geese. And I was out on the lake yesterday and just working outside this morning. And there definitely are geese pushing in. Uh, We have a lot of new geese. You know, we're starting to see the ducks. But I think as soon as those ponds freeze up north of us, we're going to see a real good push of ducks. So this next, you know, two-week period may be the best of all waterfowl season and that Goose season is going to open up on Monday. You're going to have fresh geese here. And with the push of ducks coming in, we're going to have some fresh ducks, and it should be really good. Now, I know later in the year, especially, you hunt the geese from fields a lot. Early in the year like this, do you still hunt mostly from water, so you're hunting both geese and ducks? You know, you can do both of that, but um, the problem with the early season water stuff for geese is usually it's the big lakes and we have real limited access to hunt those big lakes so most of the goose hunters that are going to be out chasing them are going to be out in the fields and the duck hunters are going to be around the ponds but there is a chance if we get some real nasty weather coming in and those fresh birds come in that um, you can get some some birds on some bigger ponds and along the river bottom. Now, for those looking to hunt the river bottom, remember this is the, the first rifle season out on the eastern plains. So a lot of the state wildlife areas are closed to access except for deer hunters. So if you're thinking about going out there, make sure to check the regulations so you don't end up driving out somewhere to realize, you know what, it's, it's closed on that day to, to waterfowl hunting. Let's talk a little bit about the new ducks coming in and then about the geese. New ducks coming in, uh, do you call a little more? Do you set your decoys any differently? You know, I do call quite a bit more. These are these are birds that are going to be new to the area. They don't know where to go. So you're trying to convince them that, hey, where you're at is, is the best safe spot to be. 
So you can get by with smaller decoy spreads. Um, you don't have to have big spreads, but this is the time of year if you have access to more decoys. I start to put out more decoys while these birds are fresh because they're going to think that, you know, hey, this is the X, this is where I want to be. If you've got more decoys and, you know, calling a little louder, using motion decoys like the robo-ducks and other stuff will help, help draw the attention from a further distance uh, for those birds. So on the duck side, this is the time of year to do that. And geese, it's kind of the same way. Um, they're going to be new, so calling a lot, getting their attention, using flags or other motion really helps draw them in. But we don't have a ton of birds around yet. They aren't real concentrated. So this isn't the time of year when you have to have those monster decoy spreads. You can get away with, you know, even as few as four dozen decoys and still be successful out goose hunting this time of year. Now, on the ducks, are you still hunting mostly still water, ponds, backwaters? You're not, you won't hunt the, the moving water so much till the, the other freezes, right? Yeah, I will, I will hunt probably 80% of the time right now on the still water. The moving water, when I'm going to look at that, is the really windy days. Because the the ponds and the um, the reservoirs get real wavy that time, you, you know, when, when you get those heavy winds coming in. And so those birds will go find a bend in the river that's a little more quiet and tuck away. So on the windy days and a couple days after that, some of the birds will still hang around the river. So that's kind of the key as to when this time of year I will go to the flowing water in the rivers is on the real windy days. Otherwise, I'm going to stick to the ponds and reservoirs. Last question on waterfall, and then I want to get some fishing info from you. On the geese, is it difficult to get access to fields uh, to hunt the geese? You know, along the front range, it definitely is a lot more challenging. And if you haven't got your access already, I would say it's probably not worth the time to go around and knock on doors. But as you go further east, your opportunities increase. Um, a lot of those farmers, you know, either they like to hunt themselves or maybe have a family member. So, you know, maybe they haven't leased it out. And if no one's coming around, they'll let some people hunt. So if I'm going to go knock on doors, I'm going to go do it, you know, from probably brush east. And then the other option is, is there are still a few opportunities for um, uh, people to get on hunting leases or, you know, if you, if you don't have the money to buy into a full lease, the other option is, you know, it's a great time of year to get out, call a guide service and maybe learn a little bit about goose hunting, uh, through someone who does it for a living. Uh, that's great. Let's get to fishing before we run out of time. I know you've been out on Boyd. I was out there myself a while, not too far long ago. And got some really nice bass but that bite is probably moved on it was a very temporary thing but you said the white bass are starting to go there yeah the white bass uh the lakes dropped about three to four degrees since uh we were both out there in separate boats i think it was on monday and i was out yesterday and that cold weather and wind we had dropped the water temperature so we definitely are seeing a lot more of the schooling fish, those real shallow areas. I even saw some of them down into the upper 40s. So, but a lot of the lake was kind of that 52 to 55 degree range. 
And the white bass are, you know, they're coming up uh, on the structure in the afternoons and the evenings. So the morning bite can be a little bit more challenging. The fish are spread out. But that afternoon bite is, if you're going to go out and target uh, white bass from a boat, that's when I would do it. If you're going to go from the shore, there is the opportunity along some of the rocky areas and the shorelines that have a little bit deeper water, you can still get into some uh, some white bass from shore. It doesn't look like they've stocked any trout yet, and I would expect that to be happening here pretty soon, which would increase the shore opportunity. And I have seen a lot of people uh, catching panfish from shore. So uh, boys going to be a great fishing opportunity from now until it, it freezes up. What kind of presentations are you using for these white bass? The white bass, I'm using almost exclusively jigging wraps. Um, I've tried a few of the other, you know, jigging presentations. Uh, uh, blade baits will pick up a few, but I've tried some of the other, you know, uh, glide bait types, and it seems like the jigging wraps are producing two or three to one. Um, I am using a little bit. Uh, I'm varying between the number sevens and the number nines. But the thing I would tell people to do is, is when you're looking at any one of those type baits, there's three basic styles to look at. One is going to be a bright colored, something that's got your chartreuses, your, your bright oranges, your, your greens. The next category is going to be the metallic ones that are shiny. And then the third category is the white ones. They have a white underbelly or a solid white. It seems like right now, Either the metallic or the white ones have been producing best, and that varies from day to day and even from hour to hour, depending on how much uh, sun you have. If, if it starts getting cloudy, if, if the bite shuts down, tend to switch up your color just a little bit because that'll, that usually will get you a few more bites. Well, and uh, Boyd has a good population of shad that the white and the metallic probably imitate, and they're getting stressed by these lower temperatures. And then they also have a pretty good perch population, which might explain the chartreuse a little bit, too. So you got to kind of, I guess, probably depends on what they're feeding on, huh? It, it really does. And, uh, and part of it is what part of the lake you're in. You know, certain parts of the lake, particularly as you go further north, um, there's a lot more perch up in that area. So as you go further north, it seems like those, those more perch, bright-colored patterns uh, really trigger those fish because that's what they've been seeing and, and feeding on. As you go towards the middle or more towards the southern section of the lake, it seems to be a little bit more shad-based, and the wider metallics seem to do a lot better. Do you need to find these fish on the electronics first, and how deep typically have they been? Boy, this question, that varies from day to day, you know, anywhere from about 12 feet up to about 23. But, yeah, I am not dropping a line until I mark a few fish. Um, they're really concentrated up, and they're, they're roaming, but they're roaming in a really small area. So I would tell you, you know, use your electronics, figure out where those fish are, and then stop and fish right there. If you're not marking fish, keep looking because um, if you aren't marking the fish and that that's the water this time of year, you're probably fishing an area that doesn't hold any fish. Brad, we are out of time. If people want to book either a fishing or a hunting guide trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? 
you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Have a good rest of the weekend. Thanks. You too, Terry. You bet, Brad Peterson. I was a great uh, resource, especially for our waterfall hunting. He really he used to run a lot of the calling contests and things. He's an avid guide for the waterfall. Really understands that. He'll get you on those, but he shares a lot of information with us here. We're going to take a time out, and then when we come back, we're going to take you to one of the Colorado State Parks close by that actually has waterfall hunting available right on the park, right close to Denver on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, Kyle, you're buttering me up with the Eagles before you bail on me, aren't you? Yeah, had to. <laughs> All right, my friend. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us, um, you're listening, by the way, to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Now let's go to the phones where one of our favorite guests from Parks and Wildlife is joining us, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great, and you got a couple things we really want to talk about. Um, you got a Halloween event that's going to happen today. You might let people beat the weather. And you've got waterfall hunting opportunities. We were just talking waterfall with Brad Peterson in the previous segment, and it looks like it's going to get good. But before we even get to that, let's talk a little bit about Bar Lake. Is there any reason I would ever go to Bar Lake? Well, of course, Terry. You would want to come every day. But, so to tell everybody, uh, Bar Lake is just 25 minutes east of Denver, so we're a quick day trip. So Bar Lake has fishing, and we have an archery range, we have boating, 10 horsepower and under. Um, we have a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's 8.8 miles, so you can hike, bike, or horseback ride. And the whole southern end is a wildlife refuge. So we're really coming up on the season for wintering bald eagles. So it's a great opportunity from like December through February to see quite a few bald eagles that winter here. And then we have a wonderful nature center with lots of exhibits. And, you know, we have lots of events like the Halloween trail coming up tonight. Yep. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first of all, it's a few of the things you mentioned. I believe boating you're done for the year, though, right? We are done for the year. Um, But, you know, we're always looking forward to next spring. Yep. And then a fishing, there's a lot of great shore fishing opportunities there. You have walleye, you have wiper, you have catfish, and uh, you do get stocked with trout occasionally, and you'll get stocked more during the winter. So there's a lot of shore opportunities for that. So we want to make sure people are aware of that. And in addition to the eagles, you have a lot of other birding there, too. We do. You know, we kind of call Bar Lake the bed and breakfast for birds. So we have everything they need. We have food, water, shelter, and space. So you can come out. Um, you don't have to be an avid birder. You can come out and just learn about some of all the birds. But we've had 371 different bird um, species sighted at Bar Lake. So it's just a bird mecca. It really is. Now, the Halloween event, first of all, kudos to Parks and Wildlife because parks around the state on different days at different times are putting on a lot of Halloween events where you can go out in an outdoor environment where it's, you know, with people are a little shy about COVID. You can go to a safe place for your kids and just have a great time. And yours, you're doing it today. Now, a lot of them are doing it tomorrow, and the weather looks a little questionable. I know there'll be kids out trick-or-treating, but if you want to get your kids out today, this evening, while it's still warm in a safe environment, tell us what you're going to do. 
Yeah, so we have our Halloween trail that's sponsored by the Friends of Our Lake. And we have six different stations on our nature trail that kids can trick or treat. So not only will they get a piece of candy, but they're going to learn about nature. And it's all outside. We have our, our bridge lit up. Some parts of our trail are lit up. It's just a great opportunity to be outside and then learn about nature and come in your costume and have a great time. And it's from 6 to 9 tonight, is that right? Yes, 6 to 9, it's free. All you need is your parks pass, which is $9 per car, or if you have an annual pass, you're good to go. All right, and what a great alternative. I think, again, kudos to Parks and Wildlife, because not only your park, you are always doing activities and putting things on, but parks around the state have been telling me about their Halloween activities. So if you don't live by Bar Lake or not close enough, Go to the park's website, just Google Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and look at the activities. But this one will be a great one because Michelle always does a great job with things out at Bar Lake. Now, we just got done talking to Brad Peterson. The cooler weather that's coming in tomorrow and then the rain and snow over the next few days is probably going to push a bunch of ducks down from up north. And goose season opens Monday. People who maybe don't know where to go, don't have access, you've got some opportunity right there at the park, don't you? We do. So back behind our dam, so on the northern part of the dam, we have 14 hunting blinds. So you do have to reserve them, and you can reserve them, and there's three hunters per blind. And, you know, it's just a really great opportunity where you don't have to go very far. You know, we're, we're a quick trip, and you can come out and try out waterfowl hunting. Um, we hunt on Wednesday and Saturdays, but because opening goose is on Monday, we're opening an extra day. So we really like to see the hunters. Bar Lake is unique in that we can have um, a protected wildlife area on one side and then the hunting on the northern part. So how do people reserve these blinds? Is it online? Is it a phone call? Yeah, yeah you can either call or online. So, and then how far in advance can you reserve them? 14 days. 14 days. So you get, so I've got up to two weeks ahead. So, you know, now instead of getting up at three in the morning to make sure I get to my spot, I can go at a reasonable time and I'll know that it's reserved. And how many blinds did you say you have? We have 14 and we have one that's ADA accessible. And so um, you do have to check in by 7 a.m., and then after 7 a.m., if, if the person that reserved it does not check in, then it becomes first come, first serve. And what's also good is that if someone has it reserved and let's say they hunt the morning and they're done, they check out and then a new person can come and check in first come, first serve for the evening hunt. Well, that's pretty awesome. Do you get quite a turnout for that, Michelle? You know, we're full every Wednesday and Saturday with reservations. So, you know, make sure to make your reservations or come in the afternoon and try to see if someone checked out. All right. Well, that sounds great. Michelle, you always have so much going on. But, folks, get the kids out there tonight. Beat this weather. Have them have a lot of fun in a safe environment and learn something about nature and outdoors at Bar Lake from 6 to 9 with their, uh, their Halloween trail. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Terry. Have a wonderful day. You too. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's Michelle. Yeah, Michelle Siebert. Always, always, she always has stuff going on at Bar Lake. You know, and that's Colorado Parks and Wildlife have been part of this show since 1998. And it's not just because of the hunting and fishing. It's because of all the outdoor activities that make avail- they make available to so many people. In fact, 
they're increasing access and more resources. And we're going to tell you all about that after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Okay, you're pushing all the buttons today, Kyle. Yeah, we're pulling out all the stops for you. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the Front Range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and you've never been in one, just stop and take a look. You'll be doing yourself a favor. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jacob Bray. Good morning, Jacob. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. You know, I think uh, the world changed a couple of years ago, and we've seen more people turn to the outdoors. We're always encouraging that. But we saw a lot of use and uh, a lot of even maybe strain on some of our resources and looking for access. And it's nice to know that Colorado Parks and Wildlife is constantly striving to improve access to outdoor activities. And that that has resulted in what's going to be our 43rd state park. And it was came about because of a very unique partnership, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Um, certainly, uh, certainly it's something that we're not familiar with in, in the state here. Actually, the first of its kind in the country is what it'll be. Um, it's a unique partnership between the U.S. Forest Service, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and the Eagle Valley Land Trust. Um, Sweetwater Lake is is this beautiful area um, that, thankfully, um, will now be protected. It was in private ownership. Yeah, and, and the, the whole idea of this was to make sure this never became developed property that became and that remained an outdoor resource. And Eagle Valley um, Land Trust is, I know, came up with a lot of the money to secure the land. The federal government uh, or the U.S. Forest Service manages some of that land. Uh, it's just been a great, a great uh, coming together of different entities to make sure this was preserved and then to improve it a little bit, improve access. Let's talk a little bit about what's there now, kind of explain the area and how it exists at this time. Sure. Well, um, just to go back real quick on that, the Forest Service still, they own the property. It was uh, acquired, as you said, kept out of private ownership, um, acquired by the Conservation Fund through a, a loan from GOCO. So even more partners along the way as this developed. Um, with the, the Forest Service ownership now, um, it became public land at the end of August when, when they acquired the property. Um with that, they've enacted some, some special regulations because the property wasn't really, really safe uh, everywhere on it for uh, public to just be wandering about. So there's a few special regs, but um, that's going to get us through a period of time here, as you said, where we're we're collaborating and doing doing some planning to um, to really see what this property might might offer. And it sounds like, and you and I have talked offline, and it sounds like there's a lot in the works and people will get a chance to have some input, but uh, I know there's a small lake. Is there a very, fairly substantial land area too? Yeah, so it is a 72-acre natural lake, which is pretty pretty special. You know, we've got a lot of man-made reservoirs in the state, but, but that natural lake up there is, is beautiful. Um, the property itself that was acquired is 488 acres, so about 500 acres. But the unique thing about it, and again, a big part of why this um, 
why everybody wanted this to be preserved is because it's nearly surrounded by public land already. Um, so it really kind of just protects that gateway um, to the flat tops there. Yeah, it's just a uh, it's just a great opportunity, and with the use we're seeing of our public uh, lands and our outdoor resources, more access is really a key to keeping people engaged and in enjoying the outdoor outdoors. Now, there is some activity that can happen right now. In fact, I think you guys put in a new dock there, but there are some restrictions. Tell us about the the boating and fishing in the little lake. Yeah, the the new dock is on order. It'll be in the spring, so not not quite in yet. But um, that's that has actually been ordered um, through funding from the Eagle Valley Land Trust. Again, that third partner in this, um, you know, they've they've got a little endowment fund for the property um, that was largely based on support from the community, um, and that's going to be one of the first things folks see in the spring. Um, as far as opportunities right now, you know, there's limited access to um, different areas on the property, but that lake is open um, to fishing and with the, with the weather moving in fairly quickly, um, you know, people can, people can do some fishing in that lake with uh, opportunities for different kinds of trout, cutthroat browns, um, and then even some kokanee in there. Now, it, it's limited to either, I mean, you can't put a big boat in it. I think you said it's electric motors only and five horsepower or less at that, which is a pretty substantial electric motor. Um, will it remain open for ice fishing? Do you know that? Or maybe we don't know that yet. Yeah, it will remain open for ice fishing. Um, and, and you're correct. The There's no real developed launch area, so it's largely a hand-launched um, little lake. Um, but But boats... Um, with electric motors, five horsepower or less are allowed on the lake. Now, there is a small campground, too. Is that right? That's correct. So the, the kind of south side of the lake, it doesn't exactly sit north and south, but this um, has an existing forest service campground on it. Just a few sites up there. Um, you know, that that is currently open. It's, there's no reservation, so it's kind of a first-come, first-serve. Uh, little campground up there, but a good little getaway for sure. Now, you're going to be, and of course there's trails there that not only trails at the lake, but I'm sure connecting to other public lands. Um, but there's a lot of work that's going to be needed before. When does it officially become a state park, and what's the planning process right now? Well, that's a good question. So, um, currently the, the three main partners there, U.S. Forest Service, CPW, and Eagle Valley Land Trust have signed an MOU um, just acknowledging that, hey, we're going to work towards making this a state park um, and we're going to work together in that endeavor. Um, that's all well and good, but the next part of that is actually figuring out how that works. So that's where we are in the process right now. We're, um, we're really putting our heads together and trying to come up with, you know, what is this co-managed state park look like? What kind of opportunities will be there? Obviously, um, there will be, you know, a community involvement portion with, uh, you know, public comment and just we want to make sure what we're doing there um, fits with the local community and to be responsible for the natural resources offered in that area. Now, if I'm an outdoor enthusiast who love that area and, and want to take advantage of it, do I have a chance to put some input in on the planning process? You sure do, and I, I can't tell you exactly when uh, when that public 
comment process will kick off. But right as of right now, you can go to the Eagle Valley Land Trust website, which is evlt.org. Um, then you'll find a sweet water page there. Uh, there's a link that you can actually start submitting comments right now. And as we, you know, work through this process, there'll be more information available on that page. So right now, you really don't even have a timeline. It's it's available right now for use, but it's still forest service. But you're really still in the planning stage of what you want to bring to this and what kind of resources to have available if you should expand camping or access to the water. All that's kind of just really open for uh, debate right now, I would think. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we've we've got an idea that we want it to, to kind of look and feel like what our constituents are, are used to seeing inside of a state park. So, you know, you can bet there'll be some, some limited camping opportunities, talking about cabins, obviously the lake we already discussed there with the fishing opportunities. You mentioned some of the trails, um, both on and, and going off of the property. All of those things um, will certainly be a part of the, the future state park there at Sweetwater Lake. All right. Why don't you, we're out of time, so why don't you give us that website one more time? Sure. Um, you can actually find it either from U.S. Forest Service or CPW's website as well. But to go directly to it, it is evlt.org backslash Sweetwater. Yeah, and Sweetwater is the name of the lake and probably will be the name of the park, right? It'll, it'll be in the name, I'm sure. But uh, that that, too, is yet to be determined. All right, Jacob, thank you so much. I'm so glad to see this expansion of access to resources that people are just loving the outdoors in Colorado and we can't have enough outdoor resources. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Happy Halloween. All right, happy Halloween to you too. Hey, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you somewhere <clears throat> where they're catching huge trout. In fact, the person that will join us caught two eight-pounders in just a matter of a few minutes just a couple days ago. So all that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. A little Halloween music, my friend, huh? Yeah, why not? That's very appropriate. Uh, You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. We are waiting from a, for a call from uh, Doug Gibb up at uh, Lake John, but he might have got tied up. So I did get a chance to talk to him earlier, and I'll tell you that he told me that fishing for big fish at Lake John right now is just just phenomenal. He said he and Doug's just he's not a a, a hardcore fisherman. He's a loves to fish, but he went out himself on Lake John just uh. uh Earlier this week, and in just a matter of a few minutes, he caught two eight-pound trout. In just a matter of a few minutes. Now, what happens at Lake John is this water's cooling. The weeds are coming down a little bit. They have taken the boat dock out, but you can still launch. But these trout are getting really active. And Lake John has one of the fastest growth rates in the state. And they really stock it heavily. And a lot of these fish just develop into these fat, fat footballs. So, so, okay, I guess we've got Doug. Doug, are you with us now? Yes, sir. Sorry about that. All right, no problem. I was just telling him how you went out and were able to catch two eight-pound fish in just a matter of minutes? Yeah, yeah, it was literally within 15, 20 minutes of each other. Wow. 
that's just fantastic. And you're seeing a lot of that happen at Lake John right now, aren't you, big fish? Oh, absolutely. Right now, it's 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 just amazing how how many people are are catching great fish just from the shore, um, just because it's harder to get onto the onto the water since they remove the dock, but you can still put your boat in. But uh, yeah. yeah, fly in a bubble is working great from the shore. Uh, you know, put an eight foot leader on there and and jig away. Oh, it just sounds fantastic. Well, Lake John has such a tremendous growth rate. Um, that's why it produces such big fish. And it's a, and all types of fishing are allowed there. So if you want to use an artificial fly in a bubble or if you want to use a spoon or a hard bait, you can do that. Or if you want to fly fish there. But you can also fish with bait. Have they been doing anything uh, with bait much or has it been mostly just fly in a bubble? Oh, no, it's it's equally power bait and night crawlers with that yeah a lot of people are go ahead no no go ahead terry i was gonna say are they are they um are they getting quite a bit of action too is it mostly a big fish bite or is there just a lot of good fishing going on oh no there's just a lot of good fishing going on i mean those you know the, the, the three or four that i caught uh inside another 20 minutes were all uh, you know, teenagers, as I call them, between 16 and 20 inches. Wow. I mean, just phenomenal. You know that you're getting all these kind of these big trout and and it's just a tremendous fishery. How about the other lakes around you? What's going on? Uh, uh, the Delaney's maybe. Well, the Delaney's are doing just as well as John. Um, and the one that surprises me or that that has been in kind of the shadows has been east. But it is really producing some some big fish right now. Uh, especially on the shallow side over on the east side of the lake. Now, the Delaney's East probably is mostly cut bows. What are you getting at, John? Are they cut bows, rainbows? Bows and rainbows. And then uh, North Delaney usually produces some big browns. Have you heard anything going on there? Browns constantly. I hear that about almost every other day when guys come in from from the Buttes and, and when I pass by there and stop and ask anglers what their success rate is and and what they're doing and yeah they they are uh doing extremely well extremely well like it's an incredible time Uh, how long it'll you probably have almost a month before you'll ice up probably huh or at least three weeks at least three weeks yeah yeah i mean typically by thanksgiving we we've got at least the first you know sheet of ice already forming on the lake so people need to get up there and take advantage of that. It's just fantastic. If they do come up, tell people about your accommodations. Well, we have uh, uh, we have one cabin or four cabins, one suite, and an RV that we also rent. So we've increased our capacity a little bit by adding that RV. So uh, and we're we're fully booked uh, on the weekends. You really need to make your your reservation in advance if you want to, you know get the the time that you want during the week not so much an issue now you have rv sites too do you keep those going during the winter yes our rv sites are uh you know obviously there's no water at the site but we have water uh you know at a frost freeze hydrant that we can provide water to our campers uh yeah we go year round year round absolutely and you've added you've added uh, expanded your wi-fi i understand too 
Yes, we just uh, we now have Wi-Fi in the cabins, and uh, and if you're on the the top row of the RV park, you'll get Wi-Fi there as well. Now, why you so, would be on your Wi-Fi and not on the lake with I, the way the fishing is going there right now? But uh, you know, people, some people are, shall we say, working from home. And <laughs> yes, we do. Surprisingly, we do. We get a lot of work campers that uh, you know that that is their home, and uh, you know they want at least some kind of Wi-Fi signal. But for most people, uh, they're out fishing, enjoying Mother Nature and not tied to technology. Well, it just sounds like, and you know, uh, we, we mentioned ice fishing briefly. This phenomenal fishing should go as the water cools into fall. It should even get better. That's typically what happens. And then from there, um, you, you this could set up to be just a tremendous ice fishing season, too. In fact, you have a great tournament up there, and you wanted to let people know the date has changed for that. Yes, the date is now the 22nd, uh, 22nd and 23rd of January 2022. Um, it was the 15th and 16th, but now uh, in order to avoid conflicts with another tournament in Saratoga, Wyoming, uh, we changed ours to that date. Oh, right. So the 22nd. We're running... We're running out of time. If people want more information about this great fishing or your lodging or your store, how do they get a hold of you, Doug? Uh, call 970-723-3226, and we'll be glad to, to help you. We also we also have storage. Yes, I know. What about do the website or Facebook against you cut out for a second? Uh, uh, yeah, the best way to get a hold of it or to, to look at our is either our website at lakejohnresort.com or our Facebook page of the same name. All right, my friend. Thank you. That sounds like you've got some great opportunities up there. I know you've got a lot of people, so I'll let you go take care of those. But thank you for joining us. Yep. Yeah, uh, apologize about the delay. I was doing more construction. Thanks. Thanks, Terry. Right. Thanks, Doug. Bye. Just. The Lake John growth rate is so phenomenal. Hey, we're going to take a time out. We're going to keep talking fishing uh, as we're going to talk about the lakes right here in the metro area and some of the incredible walleye fishing that's going on. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.